through 25 seasons. Hey! 4,561 episodes. I believe the Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the LOLs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. Behind me are 14 women who have the future of our country in their hands. They are women who have gone where no man has ever gone before. Who are they? Well, they're moms. Like I always say, moms have the toughest job in the world if you're doing it right. And today, they're spilling the beans about a side of motherhood that hardly anybody ever talks about. I'm embarrassed to say that I have completely forgotten to give my child dinner. Sometimes when I'm in the other room and I hear my 15-year-old stepson and he's mercilessly teasing my three-year-old daughter, I, I don't step in. Actually, most, most of the time, I, I don't. I don't say anything. And it's because I want him to toughen her up. In some ways, I'm not always parent material because I can hear my children crying and not go running. I can totally tune them out. I confess that I have let my kids cry it out in their cribs while I sit with my husband and drink wine, lots of wine. I confess to having more than once thought to myself, what did I do to my life? What the hell did I do to my life? <laughs> Okay, we have an audience full of moms today celebrating and telling the truth about the joys and pitfalls of motherhood. It's the hardest job on earth. It's a job that I have the most respect for. I think a lot of moms themselves have respect for the job that they do, but feel that the rest of the world doesn't see it that way. Well, today, we're having a conversation to begin to change that. How many of you can relate to this mom confession? I trade my husband for a housekeeper. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'd trade my husband for a housekeeper. You can make a country song out of it. Well, that's the title of the book by best-selling authors Trisha Ashworth and Amy Nobley. Uh, disillusioned by motherhood, these two friends set out on a journey <laughs> and hit a nerve with moms across America. We have been friends for 14 years. We live on the same street. We've experienced motherhood together from the beginning to now. <laughs> you guys, you know what? Stop the screaming for one second. I knew I'd have three kids. I organized them all so they were two years apart. Part of what I thought a stay-at-home mom did was have dinner on the table every night, have the kids, you know, bathed and looking cute every day. I thought I would continue to work after having children. I thought I should be able to do this. I should be able to do this all. Despite their perfect plans, Trish and Amy say as soon as they became moms, they both began to feel like failures. You know, it was like a bomb hit us. 
I felt really alone. I'd go to these mom's groups and everybody would be smiling and happy. It didn't, I didn't feel like I had permission to admit how hard motherhood really was. I was constantly <laughs> overproducing motherhood. I was so on a schedule that I wasn't enjoying it. I just was doing it. I felt like the worst mom in the world. Overwhelmed, Trisha and Amy say they reached their breaking point. I really needed to learn to redefine motherhood for me so it worked for me. They wanted to know if other mothers shared their struggles, so they set out on a mission and interviewed hundreds of women. Women really needed to and wanted to open up. Didn't take long before women across the country were spilling their dirty little secrets about motherhood. But we were kind of thinking maybe there's a way, maybe there's a way we could tap into the real truth and we finally hit pay dirt. Trish and Amy have three books about the trials and tribulations of motherhood. So what are the worst, most shocking things you've heard from moms? Like what? Well, I just, you know, I haven't showered for three days. And, you know, I, I take Vicodin daily on a daily basis to get through my days. And, you know, I had I to had... wear Depends on the road <laughs> because it, all day I was driving from school to school. So and, and, and I'm not happy. This is hard for me. It's much harder than I expected motherhood to be. Mm. One mom said, I love being a mom. I just hate doing it because it is an impossible job. Yes, because you need a wife. Yeah. Yes, you do. <laughs> Support. I mean, I mean, we were just, just, just briefly hitting on this, uh, but in the past, people had their families and communities and aunts and sisters and mothers to help. Well, and you know, we've raised the I mean, bar perfect so example. High. Perfect example is Marian Robinson now living in the White House with Michelle and Barack Obama to help out. Right. Yes, right. Perfect example. Mm -hmm. and, we, and, and we do feel re really alone, and we feel like we don't have permission to admit that it's really hard. So we're all walking around with these smiles on our faces, but really, we feel alone. I would think the biggest feeling would be overwhelmed. Don't you all feel overwhelmed? I mean, every day, I mean, uh, I will just say this, that every day, I mean, today we have mostly moms in the audience, but every day, people come from all over the country, and a lot of those people who are coming are mothers. And I just marvel at what it takes to organize, to get babysitters, mm -hmm. to get somebody who you trust to look after your kids, to get yourself up and dressed, to get your hair done, to get a new outfit, to show up. Get out of your sweat. To be clean. Yeah. And, to and be that, clean, yeah, yeah. And that list of expectations that we have for ourselves to get done every day is so unrealistic. It's so over the top that we're, we're failing. And yes, and, yeah, and people are making meals every yeah. day. I think that's... Not me. Yeah, not you. <laughs> not you. Yeah. I'd let go of that. Yes. <laughs> That was the common thread. No matter who we talked to across the country, if they had five kids or one kid working, not working, the one common thread was overblown expectations. Overblown expectations. In what way? You know, this generation of women were raised to believe that we should and could do it all. And that, that list is just so huge that we think that if we can't live up to that, we can't do it all, that we're... We're not good moms. And that if we make the wrong choice, it's our fault. So we need to live with it and just try to get through it somehow. And we need to support each other more. We really do. And right? how do we support each other more? Well, starting with honesty. honesty. I mean, this is so great because we were so surprised that even anonymously on the phone, it took 22 minutes for women to open up. Yeah. They want to present this idea that it's all okay. And, you know, when we got to like, wow, you sound so balanced and so happy, like, give us, give us some help. They would say, like, well, happy? 
Happy, happy. Like, what does happy mean? I don't even know what happiness means. And that's when it would really, you know, say, open well, up. I haven't had sex in four weeks. And well, I haven't showered in five days. <laughs> and you know what? I'm sure I'm the only mom who feels that way. Mm. And we heard it over and over and over. Okay. I would have to say my dirty little secret of motherhood is that I have a favorite child. I have made a full lunch for my children for school out of the snacks in my car. Had a few potty emergencies and had to do a quick water bottle fill up because we didn't have a bathroom. To be totally honest, there have been times where my twins have gone three weeks without a bath. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I would say that I shower a couple times a week, which would be awesome in France. I confess, my kids eat pizza for breakfast at least twice a week. When my kids were younger and I was reading to them at bedtime, I would skip pages. Man, the day that I had to go shopping for a minivan, honest to God, was one of the worst days of my entire life. Oh my God, I cried so hard on the way down to the minivan dealer, you would think that a relative just died. Honestly, I think I know what it's like for a dog to be neutered. Well, our audience today is full of moms. Moms! This show is about saluting moms everywhere, letting you know you're not alone. We hear from mothers all the time who say they do feel alone, they feel overwhelmed, they feel sometimes inadequate, you say, and you're afraid to admit the truth for fear of being judged. So today, we're creating a judgment-free zone, a sisterhood, a motherhood, where anything goes. Joining us on Skype are Vicki, Karen, Heather, hi, and Dee Dee. Hi. Hi, Melinda, and hiya, how are you? Hi. Okay, so Heather's the mom of a five-year-old daughter with another daughter on the way, and she lives in Salt Lake City. And I hear there are things about motherhood you just don't like, and you're willing to admit it today. Let's hear it. Absolutely. I, um, I really don't enjoy the early mornings or the plastic toys. I don't do arts and crafts. I don't do pipe cleaners. I don't do cotton balls or scissors. Um, and I could do, I could, you know, do away with the liquids, the snot and the poo. I'm not fond of those things. Philadelphia mom Vicki is in Bonita Springs, Florida, where she's vacationing with her two kids. Vicki, you have a good one. Let's hear it. You know, poo is one thing, um, but another thing is pee. And uh, I was driving across the state to my parents' house, which is a seven-hour drive, and both of my kids were sleeping in the back of the minivan, because I drive a minivan now. And it was, um, How many you know, people here have minivans, too? Yay! Minivan moms, okay. And I looked in the back, and the kids were sleeping, which is, like, literally a miracle from God. Um, but the problem was I had to pee. So I'm thinking, you know, if I stop at a rest area, they're totally going to wake up, and I do not want them to wake up. Right. So I reach into the diaper bag, and I pulled out a diaper, and I peed into it. Yeah, Karen, you're cracking up, but you understand. You do, you, you do yeah. what you got to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, um, my sister, right, had a similar incident, although she got on a plane without any diapers for her six-month-old, and uh, she ended up having to get the uh, flight attendants bring 
cloth napkins from first class along with some maxi pads uh, to kind of clean up everything after her kid. And it doesn't work, just in case you ever <laughs> in that situation. Wow. Dee Dee is a mother of five in Atlanta who has a diaper crisis confession. Let's hear it, Dee Dee. Well, my diaper crisis, the maxi pad actually did work. My husband and I ran out in the middle of the night and we were too tired to run to the Walmart to get any. So what we had to do was use a maxi pad instead until the next morning. It worked so well, we took our time the next day to get diapers. So, hi, how are you, Haya? I'm, I'm fine, how are you? Good. I've got two tips on the diaper thing, though. You have to feed the house and car with diapers. That way, there's always one to unearth in an emergency. You put them everywhere. Don't keep them in one spot, just scatter them. I was gonna say, yeah, somebody just said it, too. What, it's like diaper decoration. Everywhere you turn. Diaper fairy. Okay. No one ever tells you how gross <laughs> or uncomfortable it is to feel the underside of your boob on your stomach. <laughs> I also wish somebody had warned me about the hemorrhoids. You know, just a little heads up. I could have used the warning. No one ever told me that little boys wake up with woodies. I go in there in the morning to get them all out of bed, and they're all pointing at me. Nobody knows how hard it is until they do it. And when they do it, it's like the secret society. They pledge never to tell you the actual truth of it because then you'd never do it. One of the things that no one told me about being a mom is that there's lice involved. Lots hey, of lice. I wish somebody had told me how to get rid of the lice. Nobody told me that I was gonna hate my husband. And nobody told me that I might not love my baby right away. Nobody told me, I, nobody told me that I might feel like I made a terrible, horrible mistake by having this baby. But that is exactly how I was feeling. Well, we're doing this show because I know a lot of other women have felt that way but never said it out loud. So today's show is a salute to moms everywhere who are doing the best they can to raise this next generation of people who care about the world. Vicki, you hated your husband for a while? Oh, yeah. Still kind of occasionally now. <laughs> <laughs> this morning, in fact. Really? This morning, in fact? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it's, it's really hard because, you know, I swore to God that the moment my daughter issued forth from my loins that, you know, I was going to be like it was on TV, you know, all stoned on maternal bliss and my life's finally complete and I finally know my purpose. And it was not like that. I, I couldn't get her to sleep. I couldn't get her to, to stop crying. I couldn't get her to nurse. I thought there was something wrong with me that I was... I, I believed, I mean, completely believed that I was the only woman in the history of time who did not have the maternal gene. And I, I thought I was completely alone. Has anybody else here felt that? Anybody else? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Daphne is joining us from Los Angeles. And uh, Daphne's another mother of two and has three stepchildren, <laughs> right? Three stepchildren. And yeah. um, the, our Skype wasn't work, working this morning. I hear you just drove to your husband's office. I am. I'm in my husband's. Just so you think, this isn't my home. I have a nicer home. <laughs> and, and we heard that you have a three-week-old baby. I do. I pumped just beforehand uh, before this, or I'd be exploding right now. Yeah, and so it really, as, as we were watching you getting settled on the, the Skype, all the other mothers here, I thought it was so interesting. Everybody said she hasn't had any sleep. You can trust she hasn't had any sleep. Somebody wanted to know, have you bathed in the last three weeks? 
<laughs> I actually, I think that's the difference between a second child is I, this time I actually said, now you're going to stay in the bouncy and mommy's going to shower. Whereas the first time I would have been like, oh my God, she's crying. I can't shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it changed a little bit the second yeah. time. Yeah. Great. We're glad you made it to your husband's Thanks. office. Uh, Melinda's a mom of three from California. She says motherhood is like a 12-step program. <laughs> How so, Melinda? Well, you know, you got to take it one day at a time sometimes. You feel like if I can get out of bed and get breakfast on the table, I'll be happy. If I can get them to school, I'll be happy. If I get home and get some work done, I'll be happy. So you kind of have to just make it to the night, and then in the morning you make another decision to get through the day gracefully again. And somewhere in there, there's also that make amends thing where you have to call your parents and, and say, I'm sorry first, <laughs> and, and thank you. Thank you very much for letting me live. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. Okay. Who was it that told our producers that, that you lost control? Melinda, you said that, right? You lost control. <laughs> Is anybody surprised? No, you do lose control because I think that once you become a mother, it's, it's, you, know, you lose a lot of choices because then you can no longer choose Everybody you know, just your, went, your, acti mm. your activity, your downtime, uh, when you get to sleep, uh, your relationships to other people. And no matter what you do or where you go, you're always tethered to this other human being in this unbreakable, incredibly fragile way. It's such that anything that you do will affect this child potentially for the rest of their life. I mean, this is this is not something you can walk away from. But all of you all knew that when you made that choice, though, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Karen's a mom from Houston with a five-year-old daughter. Are you the kind of mom you thought you'd be? Oh, God, no. I became to motherhood sort of late. I was in my mid-30s when I finally became a mom, and I had this very sort of international career. I was a lawyer and I was flying all over the world. And um, so my life really changed. And I, for me, I felt like I was really ready um, in certain circumstances. Like I had done the career thing. I had done the travel thing. I'd done all of that. So it wasn't like I felt so much that I was sacrificing a lot. But one thing they don't tell you is I think when you're single and when you don't have kids, you think, well, yeah, it's, you know, you're up for eight hours and you're on and on and on, but then you get to go to sleep and then you blissfully sleep and don't have to worry about the kid anymore. And that's just not the case. It's 24 seven. Yeah. You say you have a secret to disciplining children. I do, and I, I try to tell this to actually every person I know who is becoming a mother. Um, I think the best way to discipline is for your kid to think that you're just a little bit crazy. <laughs> that, uh... And Karen, what, what, what does that mean, honey? <laughs> well, you can't be full on wacko, because that way, you know, child protective services will show up, right? You don't, you don't want that. But you got to think that, you know, this might be the moment that mom might finally lose it. And uh, I, my, the best ex example of this, I remember my little girl was doing something. I don't remember what it was, but she was making me crazy. And I told her, I said, look, you know, if you do this one more time, I am taking away every single one of your toys. I, it's gone. And, uh, and of course, she didn't believe me, so she did it again. And uh, I, di I didn't even yell. I just looked at her and went, all right. And I went in and I cleaned out her room. I mean, there wasn't so much as a Lego left in her room. I left books. That was it. And, uh, and she looked at me like, well, when am I going to get it back? And I said, um, yeah, I don't know. When I feel like it, I guess. Like, not, not anytime soon. <laughs> so just a little bit crazy is always good. A little bit crazy. Haya, you agree as a mother of three? Well, actually, I call that a shock and awe campaign. <laughs> um, and and I, I have said, I admit, I will take away everything that you love. Uh, and, and I don't mean personally, but the toys have disappeared for days and days at a time, and, and they get it. They absolutely get it. 
crying, though, also helps discipline. How? Crying in front of your kids. You ever get so mad and frustrated that you, you just, you just want to cry a little bit? It's very effective, actually, it turns out. And so sometimes I pretend to cry in front of my kids. Really, really. Meet Heather Armstrong, the mother of all bloggers. Initially, my website was read by about 30 people across the country, 30 of my friends. The week that I gave birth, my traffic nearly doubled. And I noticed a new audience of women and mothers, first-time mothers, mothers who are my age. The more Heather Armstrong wrote about the reality of motherhood, the more readers flocked to her blog site. So I chronicled what it was like to breastfeed, and this entry was called Boob. I defy anyone who is breastfeeding a five-week-old baby to go a whole 10 minutes without saying boob or breast. There are still moments when Lita lashes on so fiercely that I'm afraid she may bite off my boob. See, there I go again. Boob, boob, boob. When Heather suffered from a severe bout of postpartum depression, she said her blog became her lifeline. When Lita was born, I thought I would automatically feel fulfilled, but I did not. And I did not know if I would ever get here. So many women reached out to me to let me know that they had gone through the same crisis and came out the other side. And it was the hope that they gave me that pulled me through. Today, Heather's blog is one of the most popular personal blogs on the internet, bringing in a reported $40,000 a month in advertising. So much money, it's now the family business. In 2005, my husband quit his job and the website became our source of income. We're making the most money that we've ever made as a family. I never in my wildest imagination pictured me doing this for a living. So you were saying earlier, earlier that the blog saved your life. How, how so, Heather? Well, when I um, had postpartum depression, I was writing about it on my website. And at first, I was a little cautious about it because I didn't know how people were going to accept it. But overwhelmingly, um, my audience was what you're feeling is totally normal. And I went through the same thing. And please be sure to take care of yourself. And you know, I got to a really well, bad new. place. Isn't that new for us? Because I've been doing this show since, you know, 1785. And I must say <laughs> that, you know, when I first started, you know, when you would talk about postpartum depression, everybody would be like, oh, my God. And, and it was only until recently that you can even say the word without people looking at you like you needed to be re-hospitalized. I think people are really hungry for that, that honesty. And, and a lot of it was I couldn't see their faces, and maybe they were more comfortable sharing uh -huh. you know, their honesty uh -huh. with me because of that. Yeah. And it was their encouragement that got me to check myself into a hospital. But and did, did you get a lot of negative? Did you get negative comments, too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you have to understand that when you go on the Internet, that there are some very mean and wonderful people. Yeah, at, at the same time. But yes. this, what you have done is what we're doing here today, too, in a way, is connecting to moms all over the world who get to share their experiences, and you uh, all get to talk about it in a way that lets women know they're not alone. Exactly. And that's what I've tried to do with my website. And, and that's what other women have given me. And that's why it's so fulfilling. That's a new way of looking at motherhood, correct? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's really important that we all open up and just be open and honest about everything. You know, we're all walking around thinking someone else has it better than us. And it's not until we're open and honest that we can really address the issues and feel better. And we compare, it, we compare ourselves to other moms. We look around and go, wow, she's doing it really well. Why aren't I doing it well? What's wrong with me? I, I think everybody watched too much TV. <laughs> yeah. And what people don't realize is, is that they film and then the filming's over. Right. right. It's a set. Yes. All right.
My sex life completely changed after having kids. Because it's hard to have sex with your husband when he's four kids away from you in the bed. My sex life after motherhood, are you kidding? The first few months after having a baby, I didn't have a sex life, okay? We weren't having any sex right after having a baby. It took months before I felt like doing that again. I certainly did not want to have sex because I did not want to create another one of these baby things. Like, no way, I can't do this again. And also, like, I felt my body had been repurposed, you know, like, that area down there, that is an outdoor, not no longer an indoor. What sex life? Next question. Yeah, what sex life? <laughs> I would so much rather sleep than have sex. Before I had kids, even once I was married, I was a total horn dog. Rare to go, even pregnant, like, whoa, let's try this position. But uh, with kids, I mean, it's, I, I feel like I'm in a sitcom. Like, you know, it's like that kind of like, oh God, get off of me, you know? All right, a lot of mothers talk about sex, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, one of the my favorite quotes in our first book, I was a really good mom before I had kids is, a boner in the back is not foreplay. <laughs> there you and go. You can quote her on that. <laughs> a boner in the back is not foreplay. How did sex change? Uh, how did the sex change for you, Daphne? Well, I think it is that when I was single, I always knew when sex was coming. I was going to get ready for a date and get all gussied up. And now I'm in this nightgown, and there's milk splitting through, and I'm exhausted, and I can see my the look in my husband's eyes, and I'm kind of like, oh, come on. You know, <laughs> you know, I want some notice. I want to be able to have, like, I need a sitter. Let's, let's go to the Ramada Inn. You know, I need to have a whole other psychological break from, from my normal life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Vicki, you were the one talking about now down there as an outdoor. Yeah. yeah. This is an outdoor now. This is through which human beings arrive. And these things right here, this is for feeding said human beings. There is nothing else that should be touching these parts. <laughs> Not touch me. Oh, gosh. OK. OK. And so what? We're so off kilter, too. You know, men need sex to communicate. We need to, you know, communicate before we have sex. So we're just at this standstill. But the reality is we have to make sex a true investment in the marriage. It just, that's a fact. And don't you find that women who make their husbands a priority, I don't know who that is, but women who've made their husbands a priority and not the kids have better long-term relationships? A good marriage is the backbone of a healthy family. And we, yeah, we really, we need to reinvent marriage after kids. We just need to reinvent it. And our kids are watching us. So when you go out on that date night, you have to sit your kids down and say, this is important for us. Dear mom, you wanted to say hi. Hi. Um, I just wanted to say that we have these self-imposed ideas of what a great mom is because there's this intense competition, and I have to say it because it is the dirty truth, between the working moms and the stay-at-home moms. And I'm a working mom, and a lot of people um, in my community are working moms, but a lot of them are stay-at-home moms. And it is the feud of every elementary party, every teacher Everybody's day. Everybody's nodding their head. It's serious. It, it, it is a war. It's, it's a kind war, but yet a war. Karen? 
You know, as soon as you decide to become a parent, I think people start to have an opinion about it. If you decide to adopt or you decide to give birth, there's an opinion. If you decide to get pregnant by in vitro fertilization or artificial insemination or the old-fashioned way, there's an opinion. If you have a drug-free birth or if you decide to use an epidural, there's an opinion. And it just starts from the very beginning. Yeah. Vicki, do you feel the judgment, too? Are you working inside or outside the home? I work in my house, but I work. Uh -huh. um, and I send my kids to daycare. But you know, I really feel like this, this mommy war isn't exactly external. I feel like it's internal. Like we're fighting it with ourselves that maybe I'm not doing the right thing. So I'll lash out or they lash out at me because I'm so worried internally. The war is inside me. Yeah. Am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? Am I making bad choices? Yeah, is that yeah. what you found? Yeah, and what we found is that we all have the same issues. These overblown expectations have taken over our life, we all have, you know, we all are hard on ourselves. We say yes to everything because we feel like we should. We, you know... And we judge because we're insecure about the choices we're making. That's why we're judging each other. And we do need to give ourselves a collective break. And realize, have compassion for each other. Realize that we all have... That everybody's doing issues. the best they can. We are all doing the best we can. Yes, ma'am, in green, huh? I think that, you know, there's such grace for knowing that it's women, we make choices. And we make choices. It's not about if we're a good mom or a bad mom. It's not about if, you know, what we're doing and why we're doing it. It's the grace for knowing that we make these choices and we, we have will. We have free will to make those choices and do what we want with them. And, you know, but I think the beauty of it all is that taking motherhood as a whole and saying, you know what, there's no right or wrong answer. There's no right or wrong. There's no, I can't look at somebody and say, oh, that's bad. Because Maybe it's great for them. There's no right or wrong answer no. when you're working in the best interest of your children. Absolutely, There's absolutely. No right or wrong yeah. answer when yeah. you're working absolutely. in the best yeah. interest of your children. Yeah. Yes. The most important thing is for women to understand, mothers to understand, that they're not alone. That all. That there's not a feeling that you can have that another mother multitudes of other mothers have not also had. Isn't that the whole point of all your books? It is the point of our books. You know, we're all trying to love motherhood as much as we love our kids. Easy to love our kids. The motherhood piece is really tough. We just need to be honest and support each other. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening.